2020. Hello, guest services. Yeah, I woke up this morning and there's vomit all over my room. Yeah, little piles of vomit. Well, how should I know? I mean, yeah, sure, I went to bed a little drunk, but I'm not deaf, you know. Because you're a bunch of sneaks is why. Well, then why didn't I hear all this vomit being put down, huh? And you need to take care of this. Yeah, there's some in the corner, all over the floor, on the chair, it's on my sheets. You people even got some in my mouth. More red. McRouselunt is of this world. McRouselunt is in our town. McRouselunt is coming to lunch. McRouselunt would like to speak with you now. McRouselunt is of this world. McRouselunt is in our town. McRouselunt is coming to lunch. McRouselunt would like to speak with you now. McRouselunt is of this world. McRouselunt is in our town. McRouselunt is coming to lunch. McRouselunt would like to speak with you now. The character of McRouselunt is played by Tom Cruise. She wears a black and white loincloth with suspenders, a Peter Pan type hat, and wooden clogs. Her tongue sticks out to one side and down. Prancing into a tavern, she pronounces loudly in a high British accent. All patrons of this fine establishment shall now follow me to my flat, where I will be accepting new members of Parliament. To speak with you now. McRouselunt is of this world. McRouselunt is in our town. McRouselunt is coming to lunch. McRouselunt would like. More red. Hi, my culture. Yo, 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 coming up for you in the next half an hour. We got 659 of the shortest, dopest joints in Chicago. So stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. We got songs shorter than your mom's and your sister's brothers. is a, a special event on our wedding anniversary today. In this podcast, we talk to other people from our generation, and sometimes we talk to each other. Oh, yes, we do. And Betty, what are we celebrating today? Today is our 97th. Wedding anniversary, isn't that right, Good Lord, 97 97 years years together. (laughs) Uh, 
I remember our wedding anniversary. As if it were just 50 years ago. It still is my mind too, Art. I remember the first time I laid eyes on you. Oh. I knew I wanted to make you mine. Oh. But it was a more progressive time, and I decided I'm going to wait until we're 16 before I ask for your father's permission. You were always a forward-thinking guy. And so were you. That probably is what drawed us together. Yeah, well, I was so glad my daddy said yes. We got hitched at the big church in the middle of town, and everybody came, and it was a beautiful spring day in May, at the end of May, and I had a dress that was my great-grandmother's that she had sewn when she was on her way on the boat from Norway. And it's still in the family. My nieces and granddaughters have all used it, too. I can picture it clear as day. It was a beautiful day already. It sure was, buddy. Do you remember our first dance? Oh, you know, I can recall it was a waltz. The Sweetheart's Waltz. It's still my favorite song. Well, me too. And today, uh, what we want to do for you listeners is we want you to dance with us as we put on our first dance wedding song. And you can move along through the music as we dance too, and we'll all be dancing together to celebrate 97 years of holy matrimony. Okay, I'm going to put on the record now, and we're all going to dance together. Okay, here it goes. Oh, boy. Oh, you know, Arthur. Yeah, I can't really hear anything. No, it's not coming through that, this goddamn thing. Okay, let me... Oh, no. Let me, uh, okay. Oh, there it is. You hear it now? Okay. Oh, Arthur. Come here, sweetheart. All right. blood do you know about families within families within families 
And we're back in the studio with Wheatley Weekberries, lead homicide investigator on the string of crime. Diary. Today I... Wait, is it diary or journal? Uh, let's look that up on Wikipedia here. Wikipedia.com Huh. It says here that a falcon can fly to the sun in the same amount of time that a cigar takes to burn to a small stub of its own accord. Well, anyways, back on track here. Is my thing a diary or a journal? 
Okay, so a diary is a maintenance log of a boiler or other climate control system component. And a journal is a peer-reviewed medical magazine. Well then, what's the thing where I think and feel things and express them to myself through writing? Is that even a normal thing to do? Oh my god. Is there something wrong with me? I think I need to find a mental health professional within my network. Let's do a Google search here. Mental health treatment near me. Okay, there's Better Yet Clinic in... Oh, that's, oh, that's up on North Bedford. I'm not going all the way over there. Um, oh, here we go. Grace Mental Health. Our mission is to give you mental health within the confines of insurance-approved methods and procedures. Sounds good. Our staff. Okay, so there's Dr. Benton. Eh, she looks a little old. She probably can't relate or provide insight to the unique challenges of my generation. And then we got Dr. Kranz Halloway. Dude, he looks younger than me. I'm not going to listen to what some kid has to say. I don't know what to do. This old ball needs to be pumped up, and I need to be jumped up, and we need to be clumped up, because we're crusty like a clown. We're, we're going down together in flame, because that's your name. You're going down like crusty the clown. Oh, it's like a crown, but it hurts, and it's not dignified. And that's what it signified, is you're going down, you're going Down below and up top, when the oxygen misses in there, you get a little nice drop. On the blue, it's the color in your veins. <laughs> it's untamed by the oxygen outside of your body, your whole skin sack. But they're blue on the inside, I can bet you that. <laughs> Green, the color in your nose, the color in your rectum, the color on your toes. Open up your body for me to digest you! <laughs> Turn it 
color in your nose, the color in your rectum, the color on your toes. cooking was the best down-home cooking anywhere available in Olmsted County. Her fresh butter pies garnered national awards and were eaten by the likes of Jimmy Carter and Mel Blanc. In 2003, she baked her last butter pie. says that 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 if if um 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 pick pick up my toys we will get a ice cream do you want to get an ice cream with us yeah i don't know what it was i saw the the light come up out of the ground it was a blue light uh another blue light came down from out of the clouds they met in the middle boom concussion wave i'm on the ground other people are on the ground i didn't know what to do so I got up and uh, I started running, started trying to help some people. Um, t- 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 today, can, um, I'm um, can get can I get a big horsey? Yeah, like I said, as soon as the wave hit, I I got up. I saw the people on the ground. I started thinking, how can I help? I asked if anybody's hurt. Uh, some people were. Some other people were um, trained in CPR and they were available to assist. So we got everybody off the ground who had been hit by the mysterious lights and uh, started tending to them. Some of them had uh, severe burns. Some of them started uh, talking in strange tongues. Um, we, we waited until the authorities were able to get there and, and assist further. Did you bring that in your car? I wasn't trying to be famous or uh, a hero or anything. I, I was just in the right place uh, in the right time. Where did all your arms go to? I don't know what it was. Um, I hope I never see anything like that again. I think everybody else who was there would say the same thing. Uh, all I can say is uh, hold your hold your kids tight, hold your loved ones tight, because uh, you never know how much time you have left on this earth. Shai-hoo, 
My daddy took me aside one day after my mom went out to run some errands. He was kind of looking around, you know, all on edge, like, kind of sighed and cleared his throat. He said, I'm not real good at this, but your mom and I figured to talk is probably long overdue. I said, Daddy, did I do something wrong? He said, oh, no, 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 not at all. I just wanted to have a, a chat with you about, well, if you've ever thought about, you know, going to bed with a woman. I mean, like sex. Do you have questions about sex, son? I said, Daddy, I'm 45. And he got all dour and he said, well, I tried. I'm still thinking about that one. You're listening to Melancholy Biography Radio. That was some kind of a thing earlier. Coming up next, we've got a musician on the road and a a man reflecting. Later, we'll be calling a bingo game for those of you in the past, as this is a pre-recorded program. For those of you in the future and the present, you're welcome to email us and give us your thoughts on which bingo numbers you'd like to hear called. Ah, being a musician on the road. You'd think it would be the big shows, or interesting stamps in my passport, or backstage hangs with celebrities. But the proudest moments from my rock and roll touring adventures involved the following 15 items. One, hacking routers to obtain Wi-Fi passwords. Two, keeping watch while braver bandmates snuck behind hotel front desks after hours to obtain Wi-Fi passwords. Three, seeing how long I could go without showering. Four, seeing how long I could go without washing any clothes. Five, diagnosing and overcoming vehicular troubles. Six, not getting sick when everybody else did. 7. Somehow squeezing short visits with old friends into an impossible schedule. 8. Maximizing caloric intake from whatever free food was offered backstage. 9. Managing, against all odds, to not say something stupid for 24 hours straight. 10. Remembering to give drink tickets that I rarely use to somebody else. Eleven, confounding bandmates with my unexpected deep knowledge about baseball. Twelve, falling asleep on non-beds. Thirteen, engaging in weird, perhaps almost creepy, superstitious, ritualistic practices 
that nobody notices or even knows about. 14. At times, simply being, or at least seeming, like a professional adult. 15. Accurately guessing really stupid Wi-Fi passwords. consider anything and reject anything. Um, what was your plan about family, you know, and marriage and all that? And I guess I, I don't think I even had a plan. But looking back, I wished I'd given more thought along the way to what was happening in, in my direction, even though I didn't know what it was. You know, it's like, what are you doing? Do you, do you know what you're doing? Does anybody care? And how important is that? I care what people think about five to 10%. The other 90%, I don't, I don't care. I've got to do what I see needs to be done or to try to do it. The, the problem is, the real frustration is that I can't do all that I would like to do or sometimes any of what I would like to do. And it's, and it's very frustrating because I have good ideas that either get wasted or I carry it so far and somebody else picks it up and does it and gets credit. It pisses me off. So I look around and I see a lot of things that, that I've initiated and caused to happen. And, uh, and other people have come along and taken it and claimed it. And I don't like that. What I have caused to happen in other people. You know, it was an age of uh, of hard work and bring home a paycheck and rest and go to work the next day. He was somewhat of a self-made man. He had only a high school education, but back then that was a lot. And uh, he did the, the most with what he had but he, he didn't go far enough, you know, he, but he didn't know how to, you know, he didn't know, didn't know how to, to go further. And a lot of people don't, I don't, I don't know how to get where I'm going. And so he, he was very comfortable with working hard, bringing home a paycheck, having a family around him. I think he, he was a lot more than I, realized when I look back 
with my uncles and cousins about who he was. Uh, he he was uh, he reached out and uh, he was somewhat progressive and and willing to try new things and create, but um, but he was he was limited by you know society and everything not even knowingly but he just uh, you know he, he could see 10 feet ahead but he couldn't see a mile ahead you know that just wasn't part of him he was very smart he and uh, he applied himself as as best he could but back then there was no like career paths you know you sort of got into a job and that's where you stayed, you know. And, uh, so I don't know, I don't know. He didn't know how to interact with his kids. He never played uh, ball with me or, you know, anything like that, but maybe they didn't do that. Some kids must have because, you know, they they got on teams and they did things, but I uh, I don't know. It's not. It's very very different from the way I was with my son, you know. And it wasn't calculated or intended, but I did have a very different relationship, you know. I um, and I could talk to him about things, you know, which uh, I never would have talk to my dad I mean uh, about anything I think I remember <laughs> of sensitive areas like sex you know I remember asking him something and he said well he said it's I grew up on a ranch and we just saw the animals you know having sex and that's how we learned <laughs> didn't help me at all because I was a city kid and I didn't know what in the world he was talking about. But I don't know, I miss, it's interesting because I look forward and back and I miss my son for sharing things. I miss my dad because I, I have a lot of questions that I would have and should have asked. You know, we never went places and did things. We never had a beer together or something, you know. We just never socialized, I guess you'd say. He, our interaction was rare spankings, you know. I, but I think he just spanked me with his hand, you know. And, and he would always say, this hurts me more than it does you. And I thought, I don't know how, you know. But and they weren't, it wasn't a torture type thing, you know. It was just a couple of swats and, uh, and it didn't feel good. My son, I remember one time, I wanted him to go up. He knew how to do mass, you know, and I wanted him to go up and help him. He didn't want to do it, you know. And, and I said, you do it, you know. No, I'm not. I said, well, I'll see you when we get home. Well, when we got home, I told him to go upstairs to his room, and I'd be up in a minute. And, uh, and when I came up, you know, he just had this look. I mean, he was holding on to his conviction. He, he shouldn't have to do that. He didn't want to do that. And he was hanging on to that. And I looked at 
him, and I thought. So I, I, I copped out. I said, well, I think you've learned your lesson, you know. <laughs> I couldn't spank him. Well, the, the funny, funny part of it um, was <laughs> that at the time that he went up to his room, and before I got up there, he'd gone in the bathroom <laughs> and stuffed <laughs> toilet paper in his pants, you know, just wads of toilet paper so it wouldn't hurt, you know. <laughs> I heard about it later, you know, but it took me a while, maybe about a, a year or less, but to realize that, you know, people would say, well, he died so young, and I, and I finally would get a little upset and say, bullshit, you know. He lived 22 years, that's it, you know. And, and uh, it, it wasn't like he should have lived to 70 or something. That's all it was. So you look at the 22 years, and what did he do with his life, you know, here? And that, to me, was very uh, healing, you know. And then I looked at his life and what he'd done, and did he have friends, did he do good things? Was You know, he was a very, uh, he was one of these um, people that uh, loved to fi make things right, fix things. So he would, you know, if there's a problem with whatever, he would just, he loved to jump in and fix it, you know, whether it was a physical thing or, or I guess, people too. I don't know. I, I, I would have a lot to say with him. So I, I did things very different from my father. You know? I remember one time we had two big kind of discussions, you know. And in one of them I said, I'm not making you happy and you're not making me happy. And her response was, happiness isn't everything. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, here I've been trying all this time to make her happy. And that wasn't a priority to her in that sense, you know. But I guess the thing was that she uh, hadn't a clue as to what I was about or trying to do, you know. Uh, I remember writing something one time and I don't know if I read it to my wife or showed it to her in the kitchen. And uh, when I finished, it was something that I thought was pretty neat and well done, whatever. And it was dinner time or getting close to it. And she said, after I read it or whatever, what do you want to drink for dinner? And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this thing that I thought was pretty neat wasn't important to her, you know. And, you know, that that's... It doesn't say she's a bad person or that I was bad for presenting. I don't know. It just, I realized that I wasn't going to get any feedback or whatever, you know. Uh, it's it's a very sad thing, but, but I, I wonder sometimes if we expect too much. You know? I, I, I don't understand women, I guess, you know, and, and that may sound stupid.